My name is Cody. I'm an ICU travel nurse, and I've created this podcast, Care Made Critical, to tell you a story. When you and your loved ones have to come to ICU, there's a point where we, as the medical providers, we take over, and you or your family member, you're asked to wait in the waiting room. Then there's a gap of time. And in that gap of time lies life or death. I'm honored to be in this gap of time. I'm honored to have shared this gap of time with both those who've lived and those who've died. I'm honored to share the difference between what people think happens versus the reality of the situation. How thin is the line between life and death? These are their stories. In this podcast, I will not state any specific hospitals, patients, date of birth, dates, or any other personal identifiers. I will only state broad information so listeners can paint their own mental picture. season, I want you to join me in one of our nation's top trauma hospitals, one of the nation's highest gun violence cities. Get ready for the raw, the gripping, and the grisly stories. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chicago. Fifty-one-year-old Jane Doe diagnosed with COVID pneumonia. This is her story. So we have a 51-year-old female, and she's been diagnosed with COVID pneumonia. Uh, She came in with shortness of breath, uh, cough. And upon getting tested, she was positive for COVID-19. And at that point, you know, she goes into isolation. Um, and the, the scenery of the time, obviously, COVID-19 was very new. Uh, the country was kind of still reacting to it. Healthcare itself was definitely, you know, still reacting to the, the beginning of it. And so... Um, once she tested positive for COVID-19, she was sent to the floor, put in isolation. Um, and from there, at some point, she developed pneumonia. And when it comes to pneumonia, what that, that, that term's hurt a lot. And what I really want to do is define what that means. Pneumonia pretty much means an infection in the lungs. And it's a fluid buildup in the lung sac, in the air sac. So you have two things working against you with COVID pneumonia. Number one is COVID itself. Uh, it you know causes shortness of breath. It it causes a decrease in oxygenation. That's one thing. You compound that with pneumonia, and you know the fluid buildup in the lungs is going to also cause a decrease in oxygen saturation, uh, which for this individual um, it led to respiratory failure. 
and from there uh, she was intubated and you know we sedated her um, we intubated her and we put her on a vent to you know pretty much she wasn't breathing her own anymore and to uh, when you intubate someone it pretty much has the vent breathe form and um, from there she was you know as stable as she could be you know being on the vent her lungs were relaxing her um, the vent was doing most of the work for her. and um, then we placed her on a rotor prone bed and I really want to go in depth and talk about the prone position and the benefits of it for COVID patients and I've dealt with the rotor prone bed before um, and what it pretty much is is a big bed that you lay on and like I said I would uh, to get a better picture Google it rotor prone bed um, just so you can kind of picture it as I'm talking about it um, y y it's the process of laying a patient prone and what that does the proning process is you pretty much land on your back for a certain amount of hours and then we flip you and you lay on your stomach for a certain amount of hours and uh, what the rotor prone bed does is it, it does that whole process for us um, you'll be laying in a certain degree, a 90 degree angle or a 40 degree angle. You'll be laying in a certain degree for a certain amount of hours. And what this does is, is really cool. It it gives your lungs um, and expands your lungs more. And it 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 can temporarily increase your oxy oxygenation. And when it comes to COVID patients, obviously, you know, they need all the oxygen they can get. And with this process it, it aids in that now long term there's no there's no evidence right now that shows that you know this will keep COVID patients off ventilators or this will long term fix the problem but it does show that temporarily it does help the problem so uh, we put on the rotor prone bed and uh, we left her in that position for I want to say four to six hours the first position and from that position she will be turned to another position and her oxygen is starting to improve um, and at the same time we need to treat the pneumonia we were treating her with IV antibiotics which that started to help that and um, it was one of the one of the first times that I seen um, you know critical COVID patient really started to improve and pretty quickly um, uh, she got off the vent within the next three to four days, um, and she did make a full recovery. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to COVID, you know, I can't stress enough to you know she was 51 years old. She was younger. Her body was able to bounce back. Um, it's just so many unknown variables with COVID. We don't know the long-term effects of it. We don't know. You know, we're seeing people, um, some people are dying, some people are recovering. But with the recovery, we're not seeing, we don't know the long-term effects of COVID-19 yet. And that's something that, you know, we're discovering patient by patient, um, day by day, shift by shift. Uh, so in this case, uh, it, was a, it was a great outcome. You know, she, she got it. She, you know, we tested her quickly for it. We isolated her quickly. Uh, things took a turn for the worst, you know. Then she was intubated, um, and we treated her. And within within a week, she is um, she's had a what we could see a full recovery.
I just want to take a quick break to thank everyone for listening. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet, please feel free to do so. You can uh, find Care Made Critical on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Music, and Amazon. If you've already subscribed, thank you. And hey, please continue to listen and enjoy. Fifty-year-old John Doe diagnosed with motorcycle versus car. This is his story. So we have a 50-year-old male, and he's been diagnosed with motorcycle versus car. And what that means is he was, his a little history is he was riding his motorcycle and he was hit by a car. And, you know, obviously that that's going to have devastating injuries. Um, and it did. He, uh, he shattered his upper spine, his uh, C, his C3 through C5, which is just your upper spine. And with that, he lost motor skills of all four extremities. And one thing to notice is where when it comes to the spine, a lot of people think that, oh, you break your spine and it's just uh, you lose your movement. Well, your spine also has a lot to do with your breathing. And while they while your spine doesn't affect your lungs, it most definitely affects your breathing muscles, your respirations. You're taking a deep breath in and out. That's your spine doing what it's supposed to do. But for this um, this individual, his uh, his spine was shattered. So um, he was placed on a vent on arrival. Uh, he was intubated, placed on a vent. Not so much, like I said, because of his lungs weren't working, but because his muscles weren't working to expand his lungs for him to take a deep breath in and out. So of course he went to respiratory failure from that. And so by this shift, by the time I received him. Uh, he was out of the acute stage. He was still in ICU just because of the vent, um, because of things of that nature. But when it came to, he was out of danger of just acute acute care. If you can, if you look at it from that standpoint, um, he had a foley in uh, his his bladder wasn't working. Um, we were making sure we do Q2 turns, turn him every two hours, just so he don't have any skin breakdown because he wasn't moving at all. Um, he could mouth though, like we still communicated great. He could blink, he could mouth what he was trying to say. Um, that part was great. And um, when it came to his obstacles, uh, acute wise, like I said, his obstacles were improving, but long term, it was still so much in the air. Um, he was a vented patient. Uh, at, by this point, he was trait, meaning we pulled the ET tube out of his mouth and we pretty much put a tube through his neck. We hooked the ventilator up there. So the biggest obstacle moving forward with him was placement, where he was going to go after he left the hospital. Okay, picture yourself. You are 50 years old. You're taking care of yourself. Um, you're, you know, you, you're independent. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if he was married. Not sure of his family situation, but now overnight or within a span of two or three weeks all of that goes away and you are completely dependent on a facility 
to take care of you. And with that situation, that's hard because it's not easy to get into any facility. And with with trying to get get a patient into a facility, it all depends on what's all going on with that patient. Um, just because the more that's going on with that patient, the more care they're going to need to receive. And every facility don't offer the same level of care. So um, we were trying to figure out where we're going to place them. And also, you know, it may not be in the same state that we were in just because we don't we're going to get him into any facility that's going to accept them. And let's say you live in New York, you know, it's not guaranteed that you will get accepted into a facility in New York. You can very well, you know, be transferred from New York to Tennessee or from Tennessee to, you know, Montana. It, it's just what your insurance is going to accept and what facility is going to accept your insurance. And um, so to improve his chances of getting somewhere going to close to home, um, our biggest obstacle, our biggest, um, our biggest goals right now was to wean him off the vent. If we could wean him off the vent, if we can get him breathing on his own again without any help, um, that would dramatically improve his um, improve his chances of actually getting placed in a facility that's very close to home. Family can come visit him, you know, yada, yada, yada. So um, that was the biggest issue. And that was when you're trying to wean somebody off a vent, you pretty much do trials and you know you don't just completely take them off and let's say that you have a patient on 100% of oxygen well you'll decrease it from 100% to let's try 80% for six hours and we'll see you know how his body tolerates it we'll see how his lungs tolerate it and that's what we were doing you know every two or three hours we would decrease the oxygen from the vent and see if his lungs can compensate itself and breathing on its own and you know we were able to uh, you know continue to decrease oxygen um, but we weren't able to wean him from the vent and you know uh, but uh, you know dealing with the social worker and case management things like that we were able to find him placement close to home that took him with the vent so you know that um, you know that that's just a small thing that really worked out in his his favor that turned out to be a huge thing because you know it's a lot better to be you know with so much has happened to him with his life literally changing overnight for forever um you having family that can get off work and stop by and see you you know daily weekly uh every weekend things like that compared to you know they have to buy an airplane ticket or they have to plan a trip to come see you you know um, so that's a small victory that that I was really happy that he was able to obtain I would like to take a quick break to give a huge shout out to all my listeners. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen, uh, for taking the time to subscribe, to follow, uh, to share. I deeply appreciate it. Um, if any of you haven't had a chance to subscribe yet, please. Uh, Care Made Critical is available on every um, 
major podcasting platform. So spread the word, tell someone, and continue to listen and enjoy. Thank you. Fifty-eight-year-old John Doe diagnosed with COVID pneumonia. This is his story. So we have a 58-year-old male, and he has been diagnosed with COVID pneumonia. Um, and so a little history on him family brought him in he was barely breathing when they brought him in we really don't know how long he had COVID we don't know how long he had pneumonia but when he came in he actually had both one didn't develop the other nothing like that and you know he was at that time pretty much unresponsive they um, he was intubated and he was brought to ICU and when I got report on them, they were pretty much still switching them over from one bed to the next. Um, he was on the vent, and the vent was breathing 100% for him. Uh, he had no movement in, the, in any of his extremities. We barely had to use any sedative to keep him sedated just because he, he wasn't doing any, you know, he was pretty much um, uh, non-responsive. And, you know, his throughout the night we did scans on his head um, and it showed less than 10, um, less than 10 percent brain brain activity. And the whole night became a battle of really, you know, trying to keep his blood pressure up. That started to drop. Um, he became septic. Um, his lungs were, you know, pretty much trash. They were failing. Um, he had two things going against him for sure with the COVID and the, the, uh, the pneumonia. And the biggest thing on that, we had no idea how long he had it. So we don't know how much damage was actually done to the lungs, how, how long he was at the house, you know, just thinking maybe he'll get over it or maybe it was just a cough or, you know, things like that. Um, the family kind of stayed, they were staying in the uh, ER waiting room and, you know the doctor we just pretty much were telling them that things weren't looking great and upon you know just more history from the family um, you know he was 58 years old and from the family standpoint he didn't really take you know the the pandemic very seriously um, he figured that you know it was more media driven and and this information came straight from his family. And, you know, that was, that sucked, that sucked, because I've heard the same story a thousand times, that, you know, it's not really that serious, and only the elderly or the sickly are dying from it, and all this extra stuff that, you know, wasn't factual. And I'm not sure where that started, but it really wasn't factual. You had young people passing away. You had middle age. You had the healthy. You had you had people in general contracting this virus and perishing from this virus. And, you know, on the other hand, if they weren't perishing from it, then they were transmitted. They were becoming carriers and giving it to other people. So, 
um, it wasn't looking good for um, for my patient at all. And um, you know, we made it through the night. We made it through the night. His blood pressure was still terrible. Um, lungs were still terrible. Um, no brain activity. Still very little brain activity. And um, when I came back in the next night, I had him again. And he was maxed out on all the medication to keep his blood pressure up. Uh, he was maxed out on uh, three different drips. We we had a lot going on just to keep his blood pressure up because he also went into septic shock, which causes your blood pressure to drop tremendously. And um, I would say maybe four or five hours into the shift, we did code him. We did code him. His heart stopped. Um, and it wasn't... I'm not gonna say it wasn't a very dramatic code. We, this is one of the situations that we kind of saw where things were leading, and it was literally a matter of time before we got to that point. Just because of the condition he was brought in, like he, he, he wasn't in. I'm surprised when he came in that he was, you know, that he had any any brain activity, any oxygenation. Um, you know, he was like I said, he was unresponsive the the previous night when he came in. So we did code him. And um, he expired. He expired about midway into my shift. And you know, you know, talking to the family, they were they were sad. They were they were upset about it. But you know, they were they they kind of went with the facts. You know, he didn't take it seriously. And you know no no one deserves you know what he went through it's not a oh well you deserve it because you didn't take it seriously type of thing i kind of looked at it and the family kind of looked at it as a cause and result type of thing you know you need to wear a mask he didn't wear a mask you know you need to social distance he didn't social distance watch who you have at your house have small gatherings if anything he he really didn't honor none of those precautions and because of that you know unfortunately Unfortunately, this this was uh, the consequence of it. And this week's uh, meaningful moment, um, you know, holiday season is here, and uh, with Thanksgiving being in a couple of days and Christmas within the next month, um, or a little over the next month. Uh, I just want to stress to everybody to please, you know, COVID-19 is still here, and it doesn't care about Christmas. COVID-19 doesn't care about the holiday season, and it doesn't care about, you know, our family gatherings. Um, please protect yourself, and by protecting yourself, that will protect others, you know, social distance, and you know, maybe you should do uh, Zoom instead of your your normal gatherings for um, Thanksgiving and um, hand washing and uh, wearing a face mask. That's that's so important to uh, keeping yourself safe and keeping others safe and um, you know just keeping the population in general safe. Uh, the the healthcare field right now is overwhelmed with all the COVID cases, with, you know, with all of it. And, you know, help, help the person beside you. Help, 
you don't want grandma or grandpa or aunt uncle to you know come over for thanksgiving and you know something happens and by christmas they're dead you know um be mindful of that i know that we all want things to go back to normal we all want the normal um the normal time of year to be you know just as cheerful and the the cold weather and the eggnog and the 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 chili and you know the turkey and all the good things that of course we love about this time of year but this is not a year of any other year you know this is this is we're still in a pandemic we're still in a pandemic right now people are still dying from this virus right now people are still not using the right precautions and still pretending like that it's not real and that it's social media driven or media driven or politically driven all this stuff you know and regardless of the truth in that the facts are people are still dying from this virus please protect yourself protect others keep you know stay at home if you can go out for just essentials only if you can work home you know this literally you may not see the lives that you're saving but the people who are following the precautions the people who are still social distancing the people who are taking this pandemic seriously thank you and you're saving lives that you don't even see and you know the population as a whole us as a whole the, this country as a whole this city this this state as a whole sincerely thanks you and please continue to do it until a virus um, until a vaccine is available please continue to take it seriously please continue to share it with other people hey you know put your mask on hey wash your hands hey if you don't have to go out for this gathering don't you know we have to make other alternatives just while we get through this season because the numbers are going up. Watch the news. The numbers are going up. And let me say this. Not just that they're going up. That people are dying quicker from it than when it first started. You know, before you, you had hospital stays between three to seven days. Now you have people coming in and, you know, with this virus. Who knows how long they've had it. And by that time they come to the hospital, they're dead within 24 to 48 hours from this virus. So it is very serious. And... You know, I continue to practice it. My family continues to practice social distancing, safe, you know, wearing your face mask and wash your hands. It's if not for you, if you don't take it seriously, then take it seriously for someone else. Um, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Thanksgiving. Please enjoy it. Be safe. Um, and, you know, let's make it to the next holiday. Let's let's let grandma make it to the next holiday. And, you know, let's take this seriously. I would like to sincerely thank each and every one of my subscribers, followers, and listeners in general. Um, my motivation behind creating this podcast is to share the stories of a lot of men and women who may never be able to share these stories themselves. Please feel free to email me with comments or questions um, at cchall at caremadecritical.com. Once again, email cchall at caremadecritical.com. 
Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram at c.c underscore hall. Uh, once again, c.c underscore hall. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, please follow my Facebook page, Care Made Critical. Once again, Facebook, Care Made Critical. Thank you once again, and talk to you next week.